0: Three, two, one. Oh, that was not great. Should we do it again? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Ready? Um, Yeah. Uh, Three, two, one.
1: That was worse.
0: Uh, Whatever. Whatever. We'll just go with it. We'll figure
1: it out. Yeah, yeah.
2: You are listening to a very
1: special episode of
2: Expert Citation. Today's episode. PhD Qualifying Exams Hey guys, welcome to Expert Citation. I am Joe Cuevas. I am the host of Expert Citation, except this week I'm actually not going to be on the episode. So uh, our recording schedule has been kind of funny for a while uh, because I went to Comic Con and Kelsey went to Minneapolis and they're studying for special grad school things, which they're actually going to talk about today. Uh, So today we're doing a special episode, a little something different Uh, Kelsey and Tyler are both going to talk about what a PhD qualifying exam is, give us a little sneak peek into the culture of graduate school, and that's a little something that'll tell us a little more about the steps involved in becoming a professional scientist, I guess, would probably be the best way to put that. So yeah, I guess from here the best thing to do is just to throw to Kelsey and Tyler. Kelsey? Kelsey?
1: So this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different and talk a, more, a little bit about uh, graduate school and the process of becoming a scientist. So um, both Tyler and I are in our second year of graduate school, working on our PhDs, and a major part of that period in a PhD is your qualifying exam, and If you haven't heard the term, you might have heard this uh, same thing referred to as a candidacy exam, as a proficiency exam. I've heard it called a second year defense. Um, I don't know what you guys call it, Tyler. Do you just call it your quals?
0: Uh, The students call it quals. The professors prefer candidacy exams. Um, I don't know why, but (laughs) it is what it is.
1: So there are 15 million different ways to to refer to this event, but basically what it is, is a big giant exam, Uh, and before it, your official title is graduate student or graduate researcher, and afterwards, once you pass, if you pass, um, your title is a PhD candidate. What it involves is proposing your thesis research. So you put together a proposal for what you're planning on doing your PhD in, and what you're going to do for your dissertation research. Um, and then you present it to a panel of professors called your committee. And they, you know, tear it apart and ask you lots of questions that you don't know how to answer. That's, I think, pretty general in terms of most programs I've, I know of. Uh, it involves some sort of PhD um, project proposal. Uh, and then some programs also involve a, an actual exam. Um, program doesn't, so we don't have a comprehensive exam. Um, I don't know. Does yours, Tyler? Uh,
0: yes, actually ours operates a lot differently from that. Um, so our, uh, quals are kind of seen more as a, a, a general physics proficiency. Um, and there's not so much to do with your research, um, at that given time, after you pass your quals, then you start doing, um, I believe it's annual, uh, basically thesis checks up, checkups uh, defenses. Um, but as far as our quals, they're all uh, a written exam. And that's not uniform in physics, um, although it is um, not uncommon in physics. And I believe math as well are both uh, very heavily geared towards, can you do all of the problems that, you know, a person getting a PhD should be able to do? And do you understand all these concepts?
1: Yeah. um, I guess now is probably a good time to to say that it's um, very different across fields. Uh, I'm not that familiar with how physics and math do it. Um, I have no idea how the humanities do it. Um, And in i'm more familiar with a sort of bio and chemistry and in both of those fields it's much more common uh to have again some sort of proposal to say this is what i've done in my first two years um and this is what i'm planning on doing the rest of my uh phd
0: yeah for for us um basically it's it's um not not all universities are like mine um a lot of the other people I've talked to do actually um, get asked questions in terms of not their research, but research of the university and research they've been affiliated with. So it's not always independent of research um, in physics and math and whatever, but it is, um, yeah, a little bit more about doing problems, being able to, uh, to work out the theory of it um, versus, you know, what research have you done?
1: Yeah. Cause for me, um, my, uh, qualifying exam is actually, uh, as when we record as of this recording next week. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so what I had to do for mine is, is write up a, a written proposal, um, of my research pro- of my planned, I guess at this point, um, research project that is going to be my PhD and then, um, turn that into my committee and then also present it, uh, the project, uh, to my committee and then they can, and then defend it. So it's like a little bit of a mini thesis defense. Uh, you just haven't done the project yet. So you're defending the, the concept and you're proving that you have read the literature and you know, the field that you want to work in. And it's an original research project that your committee thinks is a good PhD project. So it's kind of like proving that you are a competent uh, graduate student and worth keeping around for the next four years.
0: Right. Because a lot of the mentality behind this from the faculty standpoint is uh, they invest a lot of money into PhD students uh, in terms of their grant money and in terms of, well, that translating to your paycheck, but also uh, travel and other various expenses. So they want to make sure that they are getting the, the cream of the crop there my question for you is, uh, with that being like a week away, what, what are you doing to prepare now? What have you been doing the last few weeks?
1: Um, well, so I've been focusing a lot on getting my proposal written and polished. I actually just submitted that to my committee today. Um, and then a lot of it is, uh, reading. A lot of it is going back into the literature, um, finding sort of all the relevant papers that you can, that I can find, um, about the system I'm working on and my protein and the methods, making sure nobody else has done it before. Um, that's pretty important. Um, and then, so, you know, a lot of time meeting with my, uh, my advisor, my PI, uh, making sure that we're on the same page with the project and that I'm not proposing anything that she doesn't think is possible. Um, And then like I gave a practice talk yesterday, um, to my group trying to iron things out and figure out what needs to be improved and what, what needs to be emphasized. But right now it's mostly just reading the, reading the literature. I printed out a giant stack of papers, uh, to read this weekend when I'm uh, at home. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm roughly three weeks to a month out from mine. And, uh, so basically, all summer I've just been doing problem after problem because ours is so um, you know, based on that. It's entirely based on that. So I've just been doing problems and problems and trying to refresh my mind on all this material. But it's literally everything in physics. Uh, we spend um, the way ours are structured, there's four sections. There's a classical mechanics, an E and M, a quantum mechanics, and a uh, modern physics, which modern encompasses uh, thermo. And stat mech, statistical mechanics, um, and then relativity, nuclear physics, particle physics. Anything else they really want to throw at you, they can. Um, and they just recently revamped it, so we have two hours and forty minutes per section. Uh, we take two sections a day. Um, so basically, two days, um, two days in next month, I'm going to be taking five hours of test.
1: Um, so is is that like your? you know any sort of standardized test kind of where you just like go into a room and they hand you a piece of paper with problems and you do them or is it like a?
0: yeah it's very similar to a test situation in an undergrad um type i guess like an undergrad chemistry course that you would have taken um it's similar to that but for physics um there's only each section only has uh four problems where uh I guess the, the stat Mac has five and it used to be that you could choose three. Now they only grade three, but you can do all of them and yeah, it's that many problems for that long amount of time because you have to be able to just like work these things out and figure it out. Um, but yeah, you just get handed sheets of paper and work out math and you get a pencil and an eraser and that's it.
1: Cause I, I have heard, um, I do know that some programs, uh, do sort of, a an oral exam where it's similar. Um, Um, I, a program that I was affiliated with my undergrad did it where, so they had to give a a presentation of their thesis proposal. And then afterwards their committee could ask them questions relevant to any class that they had taken,
0: you know? So um,
1: sometimes you have like a combination of the two as well.
0: I, I think that's more of the precedent. Um, in in general is that they do portions of both Um, i know a lot of people only have oral Um, i don't know of any other departments right now that are solely written other than the one i'm in um which um written has its advantages and it has its disadvantages um i think it far weighs towards the disadvantages because the written ones you don't have any guidance like if you completely derail they can't help you um the people, you know, that would be in the room for an oral exam, but the oral ones, I know a lot of people freeze up under that kind of pressure and freeze up, um, or just have issues with you know talking or doing math in front of people. And I don't really know which one I would prefer. I would probably prefer a little bit of both. I do know that I'm, our exams were roughly based off University of Chicago's exams, and since they changed their exams and. Our university didn't follow suit, and I believe University of Chicago changed theirs because they just decided it was a bad method for weeding people out, so.
1: Yeah, so um, is yours a hard pass fail? I mean, so if you don't pass it, do you get to take it again?
0: It is a, (laughs) it's very strange. So what we do is you have three years to pass your PhD candidacy exam. But in most people's cases, if they walk in without a master's degree already, they have two years to pass a master's qualifying exam. And you can't take both in the same semester. So for my first year and a half, I was taking this master's qualifier instead of having those opportunities to take the PhD one. And I passed that in a year and a half. I was hoping to get it done in a year and came like five points shy in my second attempt. So then, and the master's qual is all just, that's pass fail. You pass or fail it, you need a 50% is roughly the threshold. The PhD candidacy, it's broken up into sections, like I mentioned. And if you pass one section with greater than a 50, uh, you pass that, you're done with it forever, and you don't have to go back and take that section. So I could pass classical mechanics and E&M this semester, and then next semester, I'd only have to take quantum and modern. Then the issue with this is that um, if you go and take a master's exam for... A year and a half, you've already ruined three attempts to take your PhD exam and three attempts to knock those out. So it's. Uh,
1: so the clock uh, doesn't reset. Like once you no, fit it pass the masters, yeah. you have to like.
0: Yeah, it's okay. a very very. Uh, poor, poorly set up system, <laughs> for lack of a uh, stronger word.
1: Because yeah. um, in my department, uh, so very few people fail their, um, their qual, but I mean, sometimes people do, but if you fail it, so you can, okay, so you can pass it and then you just, you get candidacy. You can conditionally pass it where sometimes your committee might say, well, it was pretty good, but we need you to go do this experiment, um, to show that, that your project is feasible, or we need you to go take this class because you were weak in sort of this background, um, area, and then you'll be, um, a candidate or you can fail it. And usually, at least in my department, if you fail it, you can retake it. Um, mm-hmm. They'll give you another chance. Um, and then most people pass it the second time. Uh, although, occasionally, I think if you, if you really do poorly your second time, then I don't know if they'll, they won't necessarily kick you out, but they will kind of strongly encourage you to, to, to reconsider um, why you're there.
0: Yeah. uh, One of the the methods I've heard of of squeezing people out in those cases is cutting any sort of funding. Is that something you've seen happen or?
1: Not in my department because of the way that we're sort of just funded through our um, either you either have a personal external grant like the NSF or Mm -hmm. you're funded just on your um, professor's grants. I have seen like so in, the, in our chemistry department, theirs is a hard pass-fail. So if you fail it, then they just, you're you're kicked out of the program. And the, one of the reasons they do that is that it's a way for professors to get rid of students they don't like. So there's some element of it there. And some of it, I'm sure, is is also just to, and sort of candidacy exams in general, I think, is just... To both force you to spend some time like really thinking about your research or, you know, being able to making sure you can do all of the things that they think you should be able to do um, to really sort of encourage you to become a better scientist. And they want you to prove that you can at this point in your career sort of think scientifically, work through problems, work through sort of research plans and proposals and handle something like this because you know it's as hard as it is it's still better than you know better that you sort of learn how to do some of this stuff now than put all of it off until you're trying to defend
0: yeah definitely one thing that's I guess kind of funny about my and I don't think this is as true with the way yours is structured is that um, kind of the general saying amongst faculty and and students is that the most you'll ever know about physics is when you pass your candidacy exam in the sense that this is the most you're ever going to know about broad problems and, uh, you know, these very high-level theoretical ideas, unless you're in, you know, physics theory, and that's a different animal in and of itself. Um, but for the vast majority, as as researchers, you focus on these, like, small areas, um, and so you kind of you forget how to do, you know, Schrodinger potential well type problem off the cuff. Whereas when you're passing your quals, I should be able to do that with my eyes closed and one hand tied behind my back, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the way that ours is structured and I think the way that it's sort of structured a little more generally in kind of the life sciences, um, it's much more about showing that, you know, how you've, you've been in the literature, you know, if you have familiarity with your field and that you can sort of go in and find the answers to these things in the literature and you can construct, um, a, a coherent scientific idea. And even if, because you're not wedded to your thesis proposal. So, you know, I could pass my qual and then next month I could find out that everything I propose, like none of it is is going to work, like based on, I could get preliminary data that says nothing's going to work. And it doesn't matter. I can, my PhD can end up being completely different, but I've still gone through the process of showing that I can think through sort of these, these types of questions, um, coherently and scientifically. And I know how to use the resources available to me to answer those questions.
0: Definitely. So for your department, uh, do people, does does your functionality as a grad student change at all after passing the call as a in comparison to before, do you perceive any difference of grad students uh, before and after that split? Is there a sort of mental change or is it an actual practical change or anything else like that?
1: Um, not necessarily. I think that some of it just has to do with the timing of, of when we take ours. So Basically, the way that my department is structured is we have a year of classes and then a couple of more like electives and teaching that you do your second year, and then you take your qual. So, I mean, I have one class left to take, um, and mm-hmm. I can take it whenever, but anytime before I graduate, essentially. And I'm done with my teaching um, allotment. And so after I pass this, this is sort of the last thing I have to do before I can really sort of focus on doing lab work full time.
0: Yeah. That's, that's definitely uh, similar to what happens with us. And it's not uh, like a hard set in stone rule or like this definitely happens every time, but passing the qual gives you that opportunity to kind of get that stress out of your mind. And usually by the time people pass it is about the time they're done with their coursework. Um, I personally am done with all my coursework. Um, and I mean, I really only should have had to take one class last semester you know once once i get this qual out of the way the, that's the last barrier to doing research um, and so right now where i'm at is pushing myself to study for my qual every day leads me to be on campus a lot um, that way i can be around other people studying and that can prompt me to you know study better and study with others and, and things of that nature and it seems in in our in our department that people once they've passed their qual sort of disappear. Um, and that's a lot of the product of ending up going to labs specifically for us that would be uh, Argonne or uh, Fermilab. And in my case, once I pass it, I'll be able to move to uh, Switzerland for, uh, to, to live at CERN, fingers crossed. But yeah, I think there's a large change, um, maybe not mentally, but as far as presence, you know, where, where you're spending your days.
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, I think part of it, too, is that if there is sort of a a noticeable change once you get candidacy, a lot of it has to do with just having spent, you know, several months just thinking about your research project and Mm. planning. It's essentially an excuse to to really plan your project and come up with all the contingencies and plan it in detail so that now I I know exactly what I need to do. And the next four steps, assuming everything works is it's right there. And I know what it is versus, you know, at the beginning, the very beginning of this process, when I was first starting to draft my research proposal, I didn't know what a lot of those experiments would look like. And I didn't have a very well-defined plan. And now it's very well-defined. Um, and I know exactly what I'm doing. So I think it really helps focus, um, because it's very easy to to sort of get lost in the weeds mm-hmm. of side projects. And, um, you know, you can spend lots of time uh, doing lots of little um, bitty deta- detail type experiments before you do anything of significance. And uh, sort of it's very easy to lose sight of what you're trying to do. And I think this really helps focus you on what you what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's. A really actually cool thing and although it's stressful it does provide a very good opportunity for you guys um, in the sense that it does you know hone you into research in contrast to ours where it's almost just more of a a weed out uh, test and and that's really all it is at its core i mean it's it's meant to make sure you know what you need to know but at the same time it doesn't truly benefit us other than reinforcing the ideas we should have already learned yeah um, and yeah i think I, maybe that comes back to the difference in uh culture between you know physics and math and a lot of those other sciences because physics and math are very uh intense and it's you either know stuff or you can leave you know and i don't know if that's that's uniform in science and i don't know if it's you know cohesive to growth
1: Either. I mean, it's definitely, I think, a cultural difference, like in, in the life sciences. I mean, there definitely are. And some of it just is your program and, and your department, because you can find people like that, you know, mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, but I would say that biology in particular is so collaborative um, just because you have to be. Things take, a, you know, a certain amount of time to grow cells to do. You, I mean, you're never going to finish your PhD if you sort of are in competition with everybody in your lab, you know, or everybody in your department. It just, I mean, I guess you could if you're smart enough, but why would you want to be? Um, So I I think some of that just has to do with the difference in the, certainly in the cultures of the fields. Um, I would say, I don't think that's necessarily intrinsic to fields themselves. Yeah. Bio is very much not in my experience, at least uh, not the most competitive um, sort of cutthroat um, field,
0: yeah, it's it's funny that you bring up the the collaboration thing because uh, the the research I do is on a several thousand person collaboration, and my day to day, I'm in meetings with tons of people, and I work very very closely to a few people. Um, even if it's all online and you know through Skype or whatever, I I am very close to these people, and it's very funny to see. When it comes to research, they are 100% there. Um, and when it comes to supporting me for the test, they're there. Um, but you take the same people and put them in an academic standing for our test, and it's just kind of like, hey, you're on your own. Get this done. It's, it's definitely not beneficial. Uh, my advisor is a very, uh, very good about not doing that, and I will give him tons of credit for that. He is very supportive when it comes to the qual. Um, he's great for that. But uh, in general, from our department, that's what I've seen, and it's very odd.
1: Whereas in uh, my department, our unofficial department slogan is bees get PhDs. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just like one of the reasons I want to talk about uh, quals is not only because it's sort of relevant uh, to both of our lives right now, uh, but also just because it was an aspect of uh, graduate school and of getting a PhD that I just had absolutely no awareness um, of prior to even just starting to apply for graduate school. We don't really talk much about You know, the fact that there's the Ph.D. candidate is even sort of a meaningful uh, thing. So I think it's important to talk about just because it's part of that sort of obscure ivory tower thing that um, Mm -hmm. is not necessarily, you know, the most sort of it's very opaque. It's a part of graduate school and a part of becoming a scientist that I think uh, people just don't know about. So I try to explain this to people. and I'm like, oh, I have this big exam coming up and they're like, Oh, what is that? Uh, what do you even have to do that? Oh, are you defending? Are you, mean you're getting your PhD? No, no, just this is another hoop. I have to jump through.
0: Yeah. If you would have asked me before I was in grad school, what the difference between a PhD candidate was and a PhD student, I would have had not the slightest idea. Couldn't have told you, but now it's very, very different. Um, and, I don't know. I, the way I've talked about it so far has been kind of, uh, ambiguous, but like the qual since I've started grad school has been the single most stressful thing in my life. Um, I've had so many sleepless nights over this one test that I've taken now four times, like three of them being a master's exam and one being the PhD, but, um, it's Truly, for me, like, the last major, major hump before, um, I guess, before the dissertation, but, you know, um, the last real school major, major hump, and from then on, I I see research more as, you know, work slash fun, um, whereas, you know, the qual, what I'm doing, is not.
1: It's definitely, I think, the demarcation between graduate school being school and it being like a job.
0: Oh yeah, you know? certainly. So I think we've flushed it out pretty well. Um, yeah, are have any covered. last comments you want to say about the qual or about um, life right the, now?
1: <laughs> I think we've, uh, covered it, uh, pretty thoroughly. I mean, I will say though that, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. Um, I like to complain about it, but I do think ultimately at least for me, it's been very, a very valuable experience, and it's, I think, very much helped my how I think about science, how I think about my project, um, and I think it's made me a better scientist um, going through this process. Um, so I do think that it has value, as annoying and frustrating as it is.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I echo all of those. Um, I will <laughs> say that for mine, it's taught me uh, tenacity. We'll give it that. Um, and... Yeah. All in all, I guess I understand physics from a theoretical standpoint better, but I don't always see the value of it. And maybe 10 years from now, that'll change. But.
1: And I'm sure that's just a sort of because our two exams are structured so differently. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'd feel much much the same if I were like studying genetic crosses to like, you know, set up, set up theoretical screens for things that I was never, ever going to do. Versus actually working on, you know, putting together my own PhD project.
0: Right. And I think that's something to note again is that no two departments are going to be exactly the same on these. There's always going to be something slightly different. And um, I I guess if someone were applying to grad school right now, it might, it would definitely 100% be worth the question of how are these structured and how, um, what do I need to do, you know, to start moving towards that? Maybe not so much in that when you're applying but you know just get a good idea of what's going on with them
1: well and if you're comparing programs you know if you're applying to schools deciding what programs to apply to or even you know if you're deciding um if you've gotten into multiple programs and you're deciding uh where to go it's definitely something worth looking into um like you said what what's it entail what do you have to do when do you have to do it um what's the pass fail structure like, you know, Mm -hmm. these are all um, sort of important, relevant questions when you are thinking about uh, where to spend six years of your life. Right.
0: And ultimately the qual should not be a motivating factor in your grad school decision. You know, you should focus it more on what do I want to research. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those small things if A and B are really close and B has terrible qualms. It might be worth leaning towards A. Um, yeah. But yeah,
1: it's just something to keep in mind. You know, something to consider. Um, mm-hmm. Like anything, it's not. Uh, it's just one small piece of of sort of grad school and getting a PhD. But it is. Uh, it can. It can be you know months to years of your life. So it's it's definitely worth considering
0: right cool i think we did it (laughs) yeah so i think
1: we covered everything that was possible to cover
0: (laughs) we complained enough so it's it's good right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: cool so yeah do we want to sign out somehow
1: yeah we probably should
0: (laughs) yeah this has been a weird episode of expert citation yeah i'm tyler birch you can find me on twitter at tyler j birch uh, my SoundCloud should be plugged at the end of this as well So there's that
1: And uh, I'm Kelsey McCoy You can find me on Tumblr At Adventures in Chemistry And on Twitter at ADVS in Chem Or um, you can also find me on Instagram At ADVS in Chem If you want to see pictures of my cat um, <laughs> So uh, Yeah cool. and,
0: and cut Go, <laughs> no. go team. We did it. We did it. We did it.
2: Expert Citation is hosted by Joe Cuevas, Kelsey McCoy, and Tyler Birch. Expert Citation is also produced by Joe Cuevas. Our opening and closing music was also provided by Tyler Birch. Find more of his music at soundcloud.com forward slash Tyler James dash 4693. Expert Citation is a production of the IamKuhan.com network. More great podcasts at IamKuhan.com.